Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Monday. We're going to talk some U.S. Trojan football like we always do with the coach, Harvey Hyde. We got him on the line to talk about what's been going on second week of USC spring football practice. We also got some questions from all of you that we'll do our best to answer here on the show. If you have any questions or comments, we do love to hear from you. So you can send us an email, podcast. At uscfootball.com, that is our email address. Or if you'd rather call us, leave a voicemail, or send us a text, you can do that too. Uh, 424-254-9141 is the number. Leave us a brief voicemail or send us a text, and we will do our best to answer any of your questions or concerns or whatever topic you'd like us to talk about here on the show. Follow us. Uh, You can follow me on Twitter at InsideTroy. Follow the coach at Coach Harvey Hyde or go to his website harveyhyde.com and as always please leave a, if you you know you subscribe on itunes or one of the podcasting apps leave us some positive feedback that would be great five-star review always helps and of course you got usc f- fans that are friends of yours out there let them know about the peristyle podcast and uh, we do appreciate you let you know tell your friends about what we do here all right well let's bring in the coach he's on the line how are you doing coach what's up ryan i'm doing great another beautiful money monday here in southern california wow I hope it stays like this for a while, but I think I enjoyed all the rain. It was great for Southern California and California. The reservoirs are getting filled up, which means we can uh, water along the lawn again, and I can take a shower more than 30 seconds <laughs> and brush my teeth again. So uh, I think it's great, and uh, we may have a little bit more, but it certainly isn't going to hurt us. So uh, beautiful day down at practice on Saturday. And I know we have a lot of questions and a lot of discussions to talk about. Yeah, Coach, uh, you should always brush your teeth. Like I think there, you can save a little bit of the water. That's fine. <laughs> but make sure you brush your teeth. You can go shorter on the showers, but I would just still do your two minutes. And don't leave the water running while you're brushing your teeth. That's the thing. So I, people, I guess people used to do that a lot. I don't know why. I never did. But that was like a thing before. Right, right. I agree. I agree. Yeah. Um, okay, so what we're going to talk about today, we got some questions and stuff, obviously, uh, you know, stuff still going on, scandalous stuff around uh, USC. So we got some questions on that, but I wanted to talk about uh, the team first. So they finished their second week of spring football. They had a first week, they did a week off for spring break, and they were back again last week. And on Saturday, uh, I wasn't able to be there. Uh, I was out at a, a Trojan Club event, uh, the Club of the Desert, out in Palm Desert. But you were there, and they actually went full pads. And it was their first scrimmage. So I kind of wanted to pick your brain a little bit, Coach, and talk about uh, what went down in that first scrimmage. Well, you know, everybody's raving about it because they saw a physical football practice, and this is what spring practice is all about. I mean, this is the type of practice you should have every day legally now. We used to have it every day in the spring when I was coaching because there wasn't any limits on how much you could hit and so on. But this is the way you get better by playing against ones against ones and ones against twos and twos against ones to find out who can play and who likes the competition and who plays hard on every play. This is when you really uh, find out who your football team is and who the football players are. 
if you check the injury report, you know, we always worry about injuries. We didn't have anybody get injured, or USC didn't have anybody get injured other than who uh, Hutunga. Talano Hufunga, yeah. Yeah, who shouldn't have done that. But, you know, being the type of player he is, he's going to make that extra effort. And he probably forgot he, he had that injury. So he has that, and he'll be back in the fall. But otherwise... You're going to have bumps and bruises. You're going to be sore. You're going to have certain things like that. But you become a better football team, and you learn to react by hitting a moving target and maybe sometimes getting a little mad at each other. And I saw uh, two players, an offensive tackle and a defensive tackle, sort of push each other, and I, and I was impressed by that because that means they're competing. I mean, don't hold me or don't pinch me or don't bite me or whatever it is. But I liked that. I liked that little aggressive move there. And I really liked the freshman Jackson, number 99, step in between them. And I liked that as a freshman going against, uh, you know, a junior and a senior, uh, sort of breaking it up. So that showed me that he wasn't intimidated and uh, got right in the mix of it. Now, nobody said anything or did anything, and the officials never called anything. But it wasn't a big deal. It was just a push. But I like to see that type of competitiveness between the teams and between players. And uh, then I like to see how Jackson jumped in there as a freshman to sort of settle guys down. He's mature and say, hey, guys, just a football game. Let's go have fun. We'll have a beer later. You know, this type of stuff is what I'm seeing. And everybody is raving and talking, the media especially, about and also tweets coming out from the uh, certain people talking about everybody talks about it's not the same out here and different different and the real trojans are here which is great but this is what it's supposed to be about uh big change okay uh but let's don't go overboard everybody's saying this is six practices okay and everybody's saying how the offense is doing this hey you're going against each other are you both great or are you both bad you really can't tell yet so, you know, I hear people describing practice and what they liked and who looked good and all this and that. It's too early. Who plays consistently? Who comes out every Saturday and challenges himself and challenges the other side of the ball? Hey, we, there's still nine days of practice left. So I just don't want everybody to, or I'm not, okay? I'm not going to form an opinion. I was asked by someone in the football office, what did you think of today, Coach? And I said, you know, I'm still formulating my opinion. But the kids are working. They're trying hard. I like the enthusiasm of the coaches. But for me to give you an opinion right now, I can't do that. I can talk about what I see and what's going on. But don't ask me to tell you you're better at this, you're better at that yet, because I'm not sure. So we'll get in. I've gone enough on this because we'll have a lot of questions that I have a lot of other things to talk about, obviously. Yeah, no, I mean, that's, I, I think it is early, uh, six practices down. I think it shows maybe how, I don't want to say how poorly, but there, there were some things that weren't what, what run really well last year, I guess you could say coach. And now looking at the, the way they're running practice, it just seemed to me, a little more buttoned up and maybe that's why people are reacting or, you know, as you're saying, potentially overreacting to what they're seeing. Um, but have, do you come away with some sort of positive sense? Like, yeah, I, it's early, but I do think this is at least going in the right direction. 
Well, I do. I think it's what it's all about. I think I want to see if they continue with this type of physical practice. I mean, there's nothing wrong. They did last year or last week have one on Thursday, but you know, you got to continue it. And now most of their scrimmage ends was in down distance situation or red zone or goal line or whatever. A full scrimmage is where you are all over the field and you put them all together. Okay. Now I know you have to take it in steps. And I think probably where the teams got the most excited both offensively and defensively, except for, I mean, I would say the offensive side did, is when they ran the football. Everybody got excited. The offense got excited. Steps went crazy. He drove in there. He hit hard. He showed me he's a real running back. He broke the line of scrimmage. He got the extra yards after the hit. Hey, he's a tough guy to bring down. I think that's where you build the confidence. But you always hear me say, and I think any coach says, you got to run the football to set up everything else. And, of course, it prepares the defense, too, to learn how to stop the run. If you pass the face pass every down, every down, every down, then you're really not getting any practice to stop the run. And I think this is one reason why the offense had really some good success. They weren't used to tackling the run. They drove the ball. They scored a touchdown. They moved the football. And the offense got excited. They got excited. And I think the defense sort of hung their head for a moment there because they didn't stop them like they were doing earlier in a scrimmage. So, you know, I think you uh, have to look at all of the different aspects of the game and then decide what you need to work on and know what the fundamentals are that you have to have to be good. The uh, A lot of talk out of the scrimmage was about Marquis Stepp, uh, the you know young running back. So you still had... Uh, Vavai Malapai and Stephen Carr coming off the flu, I guess it was. They were sick. Uh, so they were kind of back in a limited capacity, but it allowed Step to really have an opportunity to shine. I wanted to get your thoughts on him in the run game. And a lot of people ask, Coach, about the offensive line. Typically, they're further away from us. It's hard to see. I know you're an offensive line expert. Uh, what you saw. Uh, from USC's offensive line uh, running and, and Marquis uh, Step running behind those guys? Well, as far as Steps uh, is concerned, if I have a depth chart, he's number one. You make the team by practicing, not watching. Not that those other guys can't play. They certainly have demonstrated that, but they sure will get well in a hurry when you see a performance like that from a young running back. I'll tell you that right now, and I would reward him for it. I would say, hey, you're number one on the depth chart. Now, you are the two guys. I know you can play, but beat him out. Do something better than what he did Saturday. We go day-to-day on deciding who does a great performance, okay? Now, the offensive line, as far as them, they are concerned. You know, when you have great running backs, you just need to tie on the offensive line. You just need to tie by holding up the guy. Uh, Don't allow penetration. Cut off the linebackers so they can't scrape to their hole. Get on the guy, stay on the guy where they can't even see over you to know where the running back is, and then you allow the back to do the rest of it, get to the second level. And I think they did that in the running game. I didn't see penetration. I was able to see Steph get a run, find a hole, blast through there, and then it was on the secondary, and the secondary couldn't knock him down. So I think that's what counts, too, and then again, the defensive line or the front seven is not used to stopping the run, but they haven't gone against the run that much that I have seen. Now they do it down below when we can't see it on the other field, but it's not in a team-type situation. They know it's all run, okay? They know it's all run. Maybe they'll throw in a pass once in a while to keep it honest. 
But in this type of situation, uh, that's exactly what I saw, and I think the offensive line took some pride in that as far as being able to try to blow people off the football. And I think also uh, I was a little surprised down there on the goal line when it got down there how far off the ball. And, again, I didn't look at it that close. The defensive line was off the ball about a foot or so, six inches. When you don't have a lot of territory to give, you don't get off the ball, you get on the ball. But, again, I wasn't watching it that closely. I saw it earlier in the scrimmage down the field a little bit farther. But these are the little things I look at, and obviously it's very difficult to see everything because there's so many people standing in front of us (laughs) the entire time. I mean, from parents to players to media people to photographers to coaches, and it was junior day, which means all the juniors were there with their parents. It's very difficult to follow it uh, a lot because we're not allowed – when the ball goes down to the north end of the field, we, we can't see down there. So it's very difficult, right? No, yeah, it definitely uh, it definitely is. And when you have a busy day, so they had a lot of recruits there. Uh, there was a lot of former players there. So, you know, it's uh, th- there's only so much space for them. And they keep us in that little pen. And uh, you can't really get out and, and see everything that's going on. Um, I thought, on what did you think on the defensive side of the ball? Uh, from what you saw there, it seemed like it was, you know, from what I read and, and people I talked to, it did go back and forth a little bit. You saw some good plays from both the offense and the defense. Anything stand out for you on the defensive side of the ball? Well, uh, I think Stewart's uh, going to be a player, the defensive uh, cornerback. I think he's going to be a player. He's got height, he's got speed, and so on. Yeah, he was going against some uh, pretty good receivers one on one when the receiver has the whole field and he's supposed to cover him. That's very, pretty difficult to do. I think uh, one of the receivers I think it's going to be very difficult to keep off the field is Williams, Evan Williams. I mean, he's a real player, number two. I'm telling you, not that the others aren't real players, but this kid's going to be a great player, and it's very difficult to cover him because he has such great height that when they place the ball in certain areas, you can't get to him without having pass interference. Or a fade route, he jumps up like a basketball rebound, and you can't get there. But Stewart did a couple times. Guys did it a couple times. Williams gets awful mad if he doesn't catch every football. He'll drop one occasionally, like any receiver will do. But uh, the defense, uh, I think, uh, did well. I think one thing you have to do in playing defense against this type of offense, you've got to get your hands up as far as on the defensive line of the football and get your face and your body between the quarterback and the receiver because the pass is thrown so quickly. So they did get a couple of tips and uh, and uh, caused a couple of interceptions and so on. I think Jackson intercepted one, but he wasn't used to running with the football. I think they stripped him. But, uh, you know, tipping the ball and playing that hard, I thought he had a pretty good scrimmage, too, for a young kid. You know, he just got out of high school, and he's going out there against these older kids. I, I liked him. Uh, uh, as far as the defense itself, I thought I think the coach on the defensive line Brings more authority, more discipline, more unity. I think that uh, he's not their best friend, and uh, he's not trying to be their best friend. He's trying to make them football players. I see them with their spread of core. They run on the field. They run off the field. Uh, I think they're going to their gaps better, pursuing better, doing a better job. Uh, and, uh, again, as I said before, it's very difficult for me to see everything that's going on. But uh, 
What I saw on the defensive side of the football, I think they're getting coached up. Uh, how good they are, I can't tell you yet because they don't know how good the offensive side of the football yeah. is. Yeah. So you, we'll see what happens. Did you know, so one of the changes is like without Porter Gustin there, they really kind of took away the predator position, and it's more of a four-man front on the defensive line most of the time. And you mentioned a guy like Drake Jackson. He's been in one of those roles. Christian Rector is sort of like where the predator used to be, but he's going to have his hand on the ground on the other side of the ball. Connor Murphy, who's uh, put on some weight, and he's been uh, running with the ones a lot, uh, been out there too on the other side, kind of as a true defensive end. Uh, I don't know if you've noticed much of that, Coach, or if you had any thoughts on it. No, I did. I did notice that, and I think it's much better. I think you're better off as a football team. You're more balanced. Uh, I think it's harder for offenses to uh, uh, see what you're going to do or know what you're going to do. And uh, I, I like that. I like that type of football. And, again, uh, I like to see them. Now, they have blitz pickup periods now, and I know you have to have that for the offense as far as point who gets who. But I'd like to see Clancy teach them how to do it the hard way first. I think that's the best way of teaching defense. You've heard me talk about that. If you can stop the people with your front four and get to the quarterback with your front four, then you can cover this type of offense, Okay. Or rush three and, uh, and and drop eight, you can cover this type of offense. But you play more zone and combination of man and zone and stuff for the read. So I think the whole thing is what you can do with your defensive front and what type of pressure you can put on the offense to force uh, the read to be much difficult, uh, more difficult. So, you know, I think the defense will come along. Uh, I have to wait a little bit and see when ones goes against ones and and they get after it a little bit, but I think the defensive line is being coached better. There's more respect there. I think there's more uh, uh, togetherness, and you've got a coach coaching that's coached before, and they have a lot of respect for him because he's coaching great players and been in great programs. So I think it's a better situation there as far as with the defensive line, and I think Burns is doing a better job with the corners. Yeah, yeah. What did you see anything? We could see a lot of their drills usually better because they'll do more things in front of us. Did you like what you saw from uh, Greg Burns and and what he's doing with the defensive backs? Yeah, I do. I think he's coaching them up. And what I liked when they were doing other drills, he didn't just stand around. He took Griffin down below in the corner of the end zone and gave him some grills because he can't go through team drills or individual drills because of his injury. So he was having him move his feet and, and mirror him and do different things. So, you know, he's taking time uh, to work with somebody rather than stand around and watch somebody else work. And I think this is important. You've always heard me say, don't waste time on the practice field. And, you know, I, I like to see injured players dressed. I think it's a, a mental thing saying I'm feeling better. Uh, they don't wear their helmets. Uh, at least at SC, they don't wear their helmets. But to me... I think that when you're in uniform or as much as you can wear, you don't have to practice. I think as a mental side of it, you feel like you're, you're better and you got to get back and do it. And I think also it's a more protective thing in case somebody runs over you like they almost run over us in the playpen. It's very important that you get used to wearing your uniform and feeling a part of the team, not walking by and everybody says, oh, that's that guy that's hurt. Hell no. Run by if you can run by. Now, Pollard, of course, is hurt. He's got a bad ankle or whatever it is, broken. But, uh, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't, 
you know, I think he could be a player, but I think he ought to act like a player and wear a helmet. And that's just a philosophy. That's a philosophy of your head football coach on what you should be wearing and so on. Not to embarrass your players, but to make sure that they realize they feel a part of it. And the sooner they can get well, it's time to go. Yeah, you got <laughs> you got to get well, coach. And I, I, li- I like what you said about Marquis Step um, being able. You know, they they release a depth chart every Friday. Hey, he was the one that's been the best. Uh, put him up there, number one, and that could be a motivational factor for the other guys uh, to make sure they want to get out there too. I, I feel like changing that environment a little bit, coach, where you want guys to be out there and make sure they're practicing. It's not just some throwaway practice that they mean something. I, I feel like that can, can kind of change even the whole culture of the team. I agree. And then, you know, I see some guys, and I'm not going to mention their names. I see them standing back with apparent areas, talking together, you know, without their helmets on. We know they're injured. But, hell, I would never allow that. Never allow that. It's just football practice. Get up there and stand and pay attention. Know what the defense is called or what offense is called. And be a part of it. Like I say, during the game, every quarterback should have a headset on. Knowing what to look for. The reads right. Did he do this? Did he do that? As far as being a part of it, you're all in a classroom. It's all a teaching situation. So I think you learn off of that. And, and I'd like to see more of that come along. And, of course, it's a philosophy. It's uh, Some coaches don't have that philosophy. I have that philosophy. I own you for these two hours. I want you to get an A in this class not a C. And I think that's what you have to, uh, me, me, as far as I'm concerned, have to uh, demand uh, from my team, whether it's in the weight room or the academic center or the nutritional center or whatever it is. Uh, Coach, we had a question uh, from Bob and this is, I've had other people bring something similar up to me as well. Uh, I was actually doing a radio interview and someone said, hey, this is USC. The offense shouldn't be simple um the simplicity there and i, I think in the, under the circumstances they needed to simplify things and make it you know make it a, a better opportunity for the players the talent that usc has to be able to execute and and you know move the ball down the field that's the whole point of the game um bob wrote in he said my question for both ryan and coach hyde the late great john mckay had only seven plays in his playbook in the 1973 rose bowl game John would even tell Woody Hayes the next play he was going to run by gesturing with his hand over the top. The rest was history with Sam Bam. This team is nowhere near as talented as those teams were in the late 60s and early 70s. Don't you think that by the second or third game of the season, the remainder of our opponents will have us figured out and will be shutting us down by the second half? Thanks for taking my question. Fight on from Bob. No, I don't believe that. I, I think if you're good, you're good at what you do is what, what counts. How long have you heard me, Ryan? You, we've been doing this for 12 years or whatever you said the other day. You've heard me say a player's got to know what to do. And they finally know what to do, and that's why they'll do it better. And if you're better and you have better players, you'll execute it better, and they, they might know what you're going to do, but stop it, okay? Stop it. You think they stopped 28-pitch? With Marcus Allen and Charles White, they knew it was coming. Did they stop it? Hell no, they didn't stop it. Well, that's the same thing with anything else. If you've got great players and you do it better than they do, stop it. So, you know, in the past at USC, I'm not, you've heard me say it was a 31-flavor offense. There was no series. Nobody knew what was going on as far as no series. Uh, with Sam Donald, it worked, okay? But hell, 
I mean, they, they would call a timeout because they couldn't line up right, because yeah. everybody was thinking what was going on or, uh, or, or different things like that. I mean, they had too much. They didn't know what they were doing as far as what the philosophy was, as far as in goal line situation or did, were they prepared for a short yardage situation and all these just different things. So I would rather do four plays right better than you do on defense than to do 80 plays with 80 formations to do them all wrong or can't compete them or work with them because you got your players confused. So that's why I said a while ago on a base defense, teach them to do it the tough way first. Then when you add blitzes and stunts and different things, it's, it's a little bit of fun on defense. Yeah. Sort of mix them up a little bit. But it's the same thing on offense. Make them do it the tough way. Make them do it right. And then when they learn that, maybe you can add a little bit more. But you got to learn how to do things correctly. Yeah, I agree with you, Coach. I, I do think that just the, the way the offense is run now, I know some people may not agree this philosophy, that philosophy, whatever. I feel like it's going to be more efficient and you're going to have athletes in space making plays and it's going to just work better than the 31 flavors like Coach described before. Um, we had a So if you guys didn't get to hear... Uh, I had Jody Alawale, who's now Dr. Jody Alawale. If you remember him, he came in the, the 2003 recruiting class with eh, some good guys like Reggie Bush and Lendell White. And he's a, a running back uh, out of Roosevelt High School who ended up turning to fullback and you know played a little bit through his career. But now he's a uh, clinical psychologist. It's pretty cool. And he was featured on the uh, documentary from, on Lifetime right now, uh, Surviving R. Kelly, about the you know, R&B star R. Kelly. But we got this voicemail question in coach i want to play it for you here you go hey this is richard in uh palm springs i enjoy uh the program very much uh, i do have a suggestion and I, and I don't mean any disrespect to either dan weber or harvey hyde because i enjoy them very much but um i would like uh perhaps you guys to have maybe ex-usc football players that could come on the program uh sit down and uh, discuss on the Peristyle Podcast, what is actually going on at USC, what is going on with the football program, good, bad, it's different, uh, what they think of Lynn Swan, what they think of Clay Helton, and maybe we could, as fans, get some uh, insight into all of this and maybe understand, because my mind is just uh, at a standstill with everything that is going on, and then yesterday with the uh, announcement of these indictments on uh, more people in the athletic department. Uh, I'm very low as far as a, a long-time SC fan. My dad went to SC, my daughter went to SC, and it's just a low. So just a suggestion. Uh, I appreciate the program very much, and uh, bye on. Thanks again. Bye. And uh, Richard, well, we just had uh, we had Jody on. We'll definitely try to get some more people on throughout the offseason. Uh, but typically, Coach, when you hear, have a former football player on, they're not going to come on with the same kind of, uh, I guess, passion for – change that some of the fans who you'll see some of it at time on Twitter, but they're usually, they're going to be a little bit more diplomatic. They probably still know players. They know the coaches. They're not going to come in and say fire Lynn Swan, fire uh, Clay Helton as often as, as a fan typically would. No, I agree with you. I talk to these players all the time. In fact, there's some that are hanging around that I actually recruited and I know them and, uh, and they'll tell me what they think, but I won't repeat that. But uh, not that it's good or bad either way. But, you know, they're still USC alumni. And they want UNLV or USC privileges. 
and uh, you got to be very careful on how you do and what you say as a former player or alumni director or whatever you do as far as when you're part of a a university, and I don't blame them at all. I mean, uh, when you listen to pregame or postgame show, they have their players doing it, and and uh, they describe it the way they see it. But they got to be very careful on what they say and do it, and so on. Uh, but I think it's great to have them on. I do other shows where I have all those players on all the time, talking about football, or I'll see them on the sideline, or I'll talk to them places where I see them and social events, and we talk, and so on, but that's a different way of talking. That's a barroom talk, okay, or whatever. What do you think, Coach? And then I say, well, what do you think? And they'll tell me what they think, so we compare notes. But uh, to have them on and have them describe what they see, like Ryan said, they're not going to do that, okay? And I don't expect them to do that. And I don't do it either, and I try to do it in a very objective way of what I see at practice. That's all. I'm just, it's just my opinion, but, uh, there are a lot of different opinions, but I think that you would get a more soft opinion and, and I don't think they'd really be frank and honest like you'd want them to be. Yeah. There's, I mean, I think, I, I think that's what Richard was going for. And there are a couple former players on Twitter that will be, they're very outspoken but for the most part. Um, it, you know, they're going to be a little bit more diplomatic, uh, than probably Richard. I'm guessing what Richard would like. Um, here's a, another voicemail question for you, coach. Here you go. Hi, this is Frank in Sacramento calling about the admission scandal at USC. I had kids who graduated there in 27 and 2010. And sadly, I think we had to face the fact that there's a culture of corruption at USC. I think it stems from the fact that it's been too insular for too long with uh, Stephen Sample becoming president in 1991, followed by Max Nikias. And so that's uh, almost a 30-year span without anybody from the outside uh, is part of the cause of this uh, the situation where we see people looking the other way uh, on the staff when they see corruption. They think, hey, I can get in on this too. Hopefully a new president will come in and uh, five years from now, this will all be in the rear view mirror. Uh, Frank in Sacramento. Well, Frank, uh, uh, let me put it to you this way. This has been going on for 100 years, okay? Uh, and I'll give you some examples. If I'm a contributor to USC and I give $10 million to put my name on a building, if my daughter or son goes to the admissions office, and I'm not talking about any you know, cheating on tests or anything. I'm talking about and my son or daughter has the same grade point as someone else's, would you think that I just might think about admitting the one that just gave $10 million to the university? It's the same type of thing. Or have you ever called anybody and said, can you do me a favor? Well, whenever you're asked to do a favor for somebody, I'm not talking about admissions. I'm talking about anything. Well, can you get me tickets to this? Yeah do this or can you get a ticket fixed or, you know, just, I'm, a, I'm just using examples. Well, it goes on in every part of life. Can you give me an introduction to this guy? I need to meet him. To, uh, can you, uh, uh, a cop pulls you over and I'm a sheriff and I show him my badge and he says, Hey, slow it down. I, I'm not saying these things happen, but they do. Okay. They definitely happen. Yeah. Yeah. They definitely happen. 
so now it's become corrupt because money's in it. As money's in everything. Buy your way in. Buy your way in. And I think that's wrong. It's not making a donation. And if your kid doesn't qualify, then that's a little bit different. Go to junior college. You do what you have to do, uh, depending what their grade point is and so on. But when money gets in and you buy, put big money up there and people are getting paid to put them on lists and so on, hey, these lists for athletes have been there for years since I've coached. What are you talking about? We used to have classes blocked out, and I'm sure they still have them everywhere in the university, where they, went, they, they, they would fill up, but we had 10 slots in every class on campus where our programs can be made so that our kids can come to practice. And they're not in, in a class in the afternoon when we have practice. Think about all these things. Now, are this all scandal stuff? Not scandal stuff. It's, it's reality. It's what really happened. So uh, there are fringes that go along with certain things. But buying kids' ways in school and paying to put them on a list, I don't agree with that. Or paying me to introduce you to somebody, I would never ask somebody that. If I could help you and you wanted to meet somebody and I knew that you were the type of guy that he would want to meet because you both together could do things together and business-wise, I'd be the first one to do that as a favor. So favors go on all the way, except that the media now makes it scandals. Scandal, scandal, scandal. Everything's a scandal. Everything's fraud. Everything's this and that. Well, you know, I agree. It's against the law or against the rules of etiquette or academic things. But it's something that's happened for years, okay? It's just money's now involved. Big money. And the people are celebrities who are doing that. So that brings more visibility and more people reading about it. I'm sick of reading about it, to tell you the truth. I mean, every day there's another article on it. So, and of course, USC, everybody would like likes to bring down USC no matter what. So, you know, that's just part of it. It's been that way always. How about the Reggie Bush situation? They couldn't wait to give them all those sanctions for what happened as far as the limitations of scholarships and bowl games and other schools are getting away with everything. I mean, really, look at it. So uh, it's just part of, of of life, I guess you should say. Things happen, and, and people get carried away, and people get greedy, and people think they could do anything with money, and yeah. that's what it is. Coach, then we got one last uh, question. It's a text message for you. Uh, he's from, He didn't put his name, but he said, Class of 1990, a previously proud alumni my son is a senior who decided not to go to USC. Acceptance letters go out tomorrow, which is probably why the tuition announcement came out this past week. So we were critical of USC announcing a 3.5 tuition hike right after all this stuff was breaking. Just didn't seem like good optics. Uh, but that's what that's what a lot of people were telling me that the, you know they had decided this already. He says you can't accept uh, if you don't know what you are paying and the materials are pre-printed, even if he is accepted, he has moved on to quote, better, less troubled schools. Sadly, I encouraged him to look elsewhere as USC is a dumpster fire. My question is what makes the situation at USC better for the new president than what she had at university of North Carolina is a 57 board member of billionaires, any better uh, than a, 
a 28 board of full of politicians. That's what North Carolina has. USC is rotting from the top down. So not not a very encouraging uh, text coach. Now, um, that I want you to take the gun out of your mouth, okay? <laughs> it's not going to be it's not going to be that bad. It really isn't. You know, you have to get to the bottom before you get back to the top, okay? And this has been something that's been happening at USC. It all started uh, uh, ten years ago, and, and it's been going on. But I think now uh, you have, uh, I hope, a professional type of. Uh, leader that people respect and has been in this type of situation before. I like her just because I've never met her or know much about her, but I like her because she fought the NCAA. Okay. Yeah. I like her because she didn't say, Oh, really? You're going to tell us what we're going to do with our curriculum here. This is our curriculum. It's not an NCAA violation. If this is what we have and accreditation has approved it and it's in the catalog and it's open to any student on campus. Who are you telling us what we can do? And they won. They won. And I don't know what happened that she resigned in North Carolina. They probably gave her, gave her some crap. Maybe you know on something about the statue or something that was yeah. up that was coming down. And she walked. I, I, think that's, I think that's good. It wasn't what she would. She wasn't running the school. So if you want to run the school, run it. Don't tell me how to run it. I like that attitude. Same thing as I've, you've heard me always say about coaching. If you got giving me too much suggestions, maybe you ought to coach this team. And uh, so far, for what I've seen, I just wish she'd get here earlier. I don't think she's coming here till July. I think she needs to be here now to start the process. But I think she has to evaluate everything on the campus. And I'm glad to see somebody who's been through it doesn't get intimidated whether they're billionaires or whatever. You know, they've probably signed it to, I don't know, a five, six-year contract, whatever, a million or two million a year, and I think she's the type to say to them, hey, if I can't do it my way, give me my money and I'll see you later. Yeah. And I like that about her. I like that about her. I don't want a wishy-washy type of guy up there that is going to listen to a booster call and say, I think you ought to hire this guy as your AD. Who the hell are you calling and telling me who to hire as my AD? I mean, I appreciate you and everything, but I'll find my own AD or I'll find my own dean or whatever it is. And I think this is where the line has to be drawn. Uh, A president and the regents giving this president trustees respect, where they respect who they hire and they listen to what she or he brings to the table in the university. So I think it's very important that they give her this and give her the support to do it her way. Otherwise, they shouldn't have hired her. Yeah. Now, this is, my, this is my thought now, and it's only my opinion, okay? But so far, I don't know anything about her, but I know one thing. She's a little tiger. I mean, she told him that, you know what, left, <laughs> and, she fought the N- and she fought the NCAA. And I like that. The way USC went around the USC fighting the, the NCAA and they were going to handle it, whatever way they thought they were going to handle it by somebody was really what I thought turning your back on your university. Yeah. No, I agree with the coach there. It's been kind of a mixed, uh, uh, a mixed bag a little bit, but certainly I think, you know, she's showed some ability to fight like the NCAA, like you said, and we'll have to kind of see going forward. So we'll, uh, we'll see. 
but we wanted to, you know, probably wrap it up here, coach. Uh, we'll I just see. want to say one oh, thing. Go okay. Sure, go ahead. And it, and it has to do with the quarterbacks. Okay. Yeah. I don't want to see the media get involved in deciding who the quarterback's going to be because I see a lot of people talking about who they liked and who they see and, and this and that, and who had a good day or who had a bad day and all of the different things. You heard me say this last week or two weeks ago. You know, stats don't win football games. Big players and winners and game day guys win football games. You can compete 20 passes, but the longest one was for 12 yards. You want to be able to have a guy that can convert third down, throw for at least 18 yards, make completions, read the defense. Don't form an opinion too early. And I hear people doing that already. And whether it's on this website or other websites or in the media or whatever, social media, don't do that because it's not right for the team and the kids. No, agree with you there, Coach. All right. Well, we're going to wrap it up. Um, thanks for uh, sharing your site, your insights of what happened at USC uh, practice over the weekend. We're looking forward to hopefully another one this weekend. Uh, they get back to practice on Tuesday, so we'll be watching for all that. Make sure you check out uscfootball.com for all the latest news of what's going on around the USC football program. we got lots of people down there checking things out, putting up a lot of content, so hope you guys enjoy it. Uh, that's the coach. I'm Ryan. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Parastyle Podcast, and we will talk to you next time. You've been listening to the Parastyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. 